Zombie Dragon, where we talk about all things sci-fi, horror, and fantasy, uh, particularly from a story writing aspect, although we talk about lots of other stuff, too. I'm your host, Captain Richard Boomzilla Pippin, <laughs> and uh, welcome aboard if you haven't been here yet. If you've uh, been listening, especially since the original show, then welcome back. I'm glad you're still here. Uh, as always, I kind of start the show with you know, a couple of announcements or just kind of my thoughts uh, before we get into the sci-fi and horror and fantasy content. And also, I usually try to give some writing tips, although I don't think I have any writing tips for today. But I might talk about my writing process and where I'm at so far at the end of the show. Anyway, uh, what I want to talk about today is I just joined recently the AMC Stubbs A-List. If you're not familiar with AMC Stubbs. That's kind of their uh, loyalty program. You know, you get the little card, although mine's a virtual card on my phone that I just, you know, flash at the <laughs> the calendar when I'm buying stuff. But anyway, there's different levels. If you're not aware of this, there's basically the Insider, which is free. And I think you get some perks from that. I'm not sure what the perks are from that. And then you can step up to Premiere where you get even more perks, which are you get like the little exclusive line off to the side when you do concessions. And some other little perks like uh, refills on your popcorn and uh, more points per per purchase, that sort of thing. Now, the A-list is another tier. You get all the same benefits as the Premiere, you know, the, the, the line, the uh, waiving of online fees, the free upgrades to your snacks. But you also get to go see three movies a week for free, and it runs you like 19 so, you know, basically 20 bucks plus tax a month. And you go see three movies a week. Uh, a week. And there's no restrictions. I know some, uh, some of my friends were doing that movie pass thing. But movie pass, as if you've been following these things in the news, is kind of floundering. They didn't have a good business model. Uh, too low of a subscription price, really. And uh, they were putting the theaters in a bind. So I just kind of knew that wasn't going to last. And I'm just always the kind of kind of person that, doesn't mind paying more for the official way to do things. You know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I will I will pay full price. I will pay a higher price or whatever if it's officially you know licensed and just the, the proper way of doing it. I'm the same way with all my software. Like I have an Adobe subscription for, for this show for doing the audio production as well as video production. Uh, you know, Microsoft Office, that sort of thing. I just don't mind paying the official because you hear about all these people like they'll get like a, a, a Amazon fire TV or Apple TV and they'll hack it so they can watch free movies. I don't like getting into all that. I don't mind paying for stuff that I use and, and just having it all above board. 
That's that's just me. And so when AMC when they announced AMC A list, I got kind of excited about it because I knew Movie Pass was kind of going to flop, and of course it is now. It's having serious financial difficulty. In fact, the last time I think the stock plummeted on Movie Pass, a lot of these sites where you can buy stocks actually restricted people. People were making a run on it, buying it at pennies a share, hoping it would bounce back up. But um, in a rare moment of responsibility, these stockbrokers are like, all right, they, they put a freeze on it. No more buying this. This stock is not bouncing up. They didn't want those uh, people to get ripped off. And people saw these things where the stock price was over $1,000 a share at some point, but it, that was kind of a false reading. That was when they merged a bunch of shares back together to try and bump up their thing. But anyway, enough about all that financial stuff. I joined AMC, AMC A-List. I don't know if it'd be worth from every for everybody, unless you really go see a lot of movies like me, especially if you're a podcast person. I mean, you talk about movies, it's definitely worth it. I'll easily go see two or three movies a week when I'm really doing the show like I was before and like I'm doing now. So for me, it's totally worth it. I understand it's a big hit. There's a lot of people doing the AMC A-list subscription like in their first week. They had, you know, hundreds of thousands of people sign up. So it's it's good for the theaters. It's good for people like me that go see a lot of movies. Because believe me, when you're doing a show like this, that is a uh, a significant expense of constantly going to the theater. So not to mention the time you spend at the theater, but the money as well. And it works for the theaters because it gets you in the seats. It gets more people to go and buy concessions. And that's how they make their money, most of those theaters, I believe. So all in all, I'm really pleased with the A-list. I've done it for the past two weeks now. Go and see all these movies. Uh, a lot of the problems with Movie Pass that I heard about are just not uh, there with A List because it is official. There's no restrictions. You can go see 3D movie, you can go see IMAX movie, whatever's available in your area. Whereas Movie Pass, I think, restricted you to the standard viewing only. And sometimes you couldn't go see certain new releases on the, on the first day. AMC A List has none of those restrictions. And you can also purchase, like I do, tickets straight from your phone. And uh, by default, it's checked off if you want to use that as one of your weekly movies. You can uncheck it if you don't want to use it for that particular movie. Like maybe if you're going to see a Tuesday night or early Saturday morning thing and you just want to use the low-cost option there. So it's very flexible. I like it a lot. I had zero problems with it. I think one of the limitations of MoviePass, you have to be within 100 feet of the theater to buy your ticket. This one, I can buy my tickets from home and then drive there, or I can buy them from the theater. I did both a couple weekends ago. I bought one on the way and bought another one while I was there. I went to see two movies in a row. So all in all, I'm really pleased with the AMC, AMC A-list. I wish they had an affiliate program or a referral program where I could give you all a special link for a discount and maybe a little income for the show here. But I did a little research this morning, and there is no affiliate or referral program, but I'm going to email AMC and see if they will reply. Maybe if they ever plan on doing one, it could be beneficial to them. You know, fans of shows like this, more likely to sign up if they get a little introductory offer and feel like they're supporting one of their shows they like. So I'm hopeful for that. I'll update y'all on that if they reply to me at all. <laughs> I am far from being a big shot that AMC is like, oh my God, we must uh, reply to this guy, <laughs> but it'd be nice if they did. Um, maybe I'll, I'll try them on Twitter. I find a lot of these big companies they seem to be a lot, little more responsive 
on social media than they are to emails. I think that's just the way of the world now. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, I talked about last week about doing a uh, Facebook live and I have been doing that not so much this week, but I, I plan on stepping it up more and do a little bit of Facebook live, hopefully every night or every other night when I'm doing my writing and uh, keep y'all up to date on my writing process, where I'm at, uh, what I'm doing, maybe not everything, <laughs> you know, give away all my secrets right away. So, <laughs> but I, I remember telling y'all last week that I wasn't sure if you guys could follow me without being my friend on Facebook, which I don't mind friending just about anybody, but uh, it turns out you can, uh, you can, but I'd have to change some settings on my account. And anyway, it's better to do it from a Facebook page and that we have analytics and, you know, the potential to uh, grow the Facebook page as a, as a business, I guess you can say. So I will be, I'm not sure if it'll be this week, but uh, sometime really soon I'll be switching over to doing the Facebook live reports on the OZD page. I need to be more active on that OZD page anyway to try and promote the show. <laughs> and that's, that's something I'm definitely planning on getting to hopefully this week. So I, I guess I've talked enough about that. I want to get into the content for today. And of course, uh, I have a kind of a theme for today's show. All of these shows I'm going to talk about today. I didn't finish reading a book yet, so there's no book review for today. But all of the movies I'm about to talk to you about all have one thing in common. They all have actresses that your captain likes a lot. <laughs> I like them not just for their looks, although that's, yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> I just like these actresses in particular. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a little mini booty report. I don't know if you guys, some of you guys are new to the show enough. When I say booty report... It's just kind of a, a little joke. What do pirates like the most in the world? Booty. So I'll give a little booty alert, a booty report sometimes. And hey, I even do it for the ladies. If there's an attractive guy in the movie that I know the ladies like, I'll mention it like, hey, you get to see this guy in action in this movie. So equal opportunity here. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, when there's a Chris Hemsworth shirtless scene also, you know, I'll give you a booty alert then, then also. So... <laughs> Booty alert on all three of these. I like these actresses. And I know there there is some guys in here that some of y'all may like, although I don't know. We'll see. We'll get into it. Sci-fi today. I have a movie uh, called Anon. Horror. I finally got around to watching Hereditary. I missed it at the theaters. Really meant to go see it. So I finally uh, watched that. And, and for fantasy, I have... The House with a Clock in Its Walls, which I just went to go see on release date. So jumping into it, sci-fi, Anon, A-N-O-N, like short for anonymous, right? It's a 2018 Netflix film. I believe it just got released very recently and starring uh, Clive Owen as Sal Freeland. He's a detective in the movie. Uh, I'm sure you know him from a lot of, he's been in a ton of stuff. But uh, most recently, like in the genre films, he was in Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets and uh, Children of Men a few years back, which was another kind of apocalyptic tale. And the actress in this one that I'm talking about is Amanda Seyfried, and she plays this mysterious character in the show who's known only as the girl. <laughs> but of course, you might know her from Red Riding Hood or uh, Jennifer's Body, which if you have not seen Jennifer's Body, you should watch it. 
it's actually really good. It sounds like a cheesy title, and it's got uh, what's her face that I don't really like from the Transformers, but uh, it's got Amanda Seyfried in it too, and she's good in that. So <laughs> go see Jennifer's body if you haven't. Is my point. But anyway, I really like Amanda Seyfried. Bonus on Jennifer's body, definite booty alert there. There's a scene where she uh, makes out with what's her face. I'm, I'm being so mean. I really can't think of her name. You know, the just generic, uh, good-looking one they put in that first Transformers movie. <laughs> she actually wasn't bad at Jennifer's body, too. I'm being a little unfair there. I just can't think of her name. So anyway, Anon. I just saw this pop up, and I was like, oh, I need some sci-fi this week, and it's fairly new. And it looked like an interesting uh, synopsis in the description on Netflix. I'm like, oh, I'll give it a shot. So I'll start by saying that I was pretty... Uh, disappointed. <laughs> Netflix, I find, you know, they have some some really hits. You know, they hit the nail on the head, they hit the mark, whatever. And then other times they have ones that flop. I talked about one before, like the open house was horrible. I wouldn't say this one was quite open house horrible, but it was pretty bad. And I think it's, it's not the actors or the actress's fault. I'm not even sure I would say it's the writer or the director's fault. I think the subject material in general is not good for a movie. This may have been something that worked good as a book. Um, I, I don't know, but as a movie, it didn't seem to work. It tried to be very existential and, um, you know, question the nature of memory and existence, sort of like Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, if, you, if you've seen that which was a, a pretty good film. It has some things in common with that one, but it's actually probably not as deep. <laughs> so anyway, uh, oh goodness, we got like some Corvette ships passing by here. Sorry for that noise. <laughs> anyway, like I said, they tried to be all those things, but it really fell short of the mark. And I guess the idea of the show is there's this detective Oh, goodness, I have to pause here. Hold on. Okay, those Corvette ships are really loud when they fly by the hull of the ship here. <laughs> Dragana, we need some more soundproofing in the communications room here. So we want to hear all that. Get to work on that. So, <laughs> anyway, like I was saying, this show is uh, about this detective played by Clive Owen. And... It's it's kind of an interesting setting where everything and everybody's kind of networked together. And as everybody's walking around, there's kind of this augmented reality thing going on. Things popping up their vision and highlights the people's face on the street as you're walking by. tells you their age, their occupation, and some other little information that goes by that was too quick to read on the <laughs> on the screen. But anyway, so everybody's kind of got this, this identity. And they have this sort of... Um, I guess it's kind of a social media vibe to it, what people choose to share on there, what uh, what they're required to share as far as, you know, being able to identify themselves. And also, like, they particularly wealthy people might hire somebody to kind of clean up their image. So, like, you hear about people now, like, clean up my Facebook or my social media profile before I go applying for jobs. So it's kind of this environment where, to an extreme, where you just see real-time data about people that they've shared or required to share as you're just walking by on the street. 
And this is makes it very interesting for these detectives because they have a little more uh, access than most civilians to see, and they can go back and uh, access people's files. You know, uh, it's, it's, it keeps this permanent record from the time they're born. I guess they're given these implants. They can have this permanent record. So when there's a murder, they can actually pick up the uh, the, the feed from the person who got murdered up until the time they die and go back and watch and go like, oh, this person killed them. And they do this interesting thing on the show where they'll they'll cross-verify. Like, this person says this about this person, accuses them of this. They'll compare both of them's files. Like, was there any other people in the room to witness? Let's go look at their file. And they'll do this weird kind of just digital cross-examination to put together what happened with the crime. So a big part of this, and, and when everything is networked, and this is something I started to write about, I'm going to tell you about that in a minute, is it becomes important for network security. You know, uh, you don't want people pu- pu- uh, putting false things into the system or blanking themselves out to be able to get away with crimes or whatever. So because there's, there's this environment in the movie, of course, it's sprung up these hackers, hackers for hire, people that just do it for their own gain or whatever, and they, they hack the system. Uh, sort of like I said, these social media cleanup people. Well, there's even more extreme versions of that where if you've done something illegal or or might get you in bad standing with your spouse or your job or whatever, they'll hire these hackers to come in and clean up their record and put kind of false narratives in there. So while it sounds very interesting concept, in fact, I started to write a sci-fi novel about this a few years back and ended up scrapping the whole thing because I couldn't really figure out where I was going with it and decided there wasn't as much story there as I, I thought there was to start with. Happens all the time to writers, I'm sure. Um, but it sounds like an interesting concept, but in practice in the movie, there's basically a lot of long silences and these people just kind of seem to be staring off into space and not much action going on. They're just kind of like um, browsing files and there's a whole lot of first person view in this show. And I find with movies that first person view does not really work. I know they tried it recently with some films like Hardcore Henry and a couple other films like it's you in the film and while this film is not like you you're clive owen but you don't see clive owen you see his view and all the stuff he sees in it and as he's pulling up people's files and all that and it's actually makes for pretty boring content on a movie like i said a lot of people staring into space and just figuring out things it's kind of like a weird sci-fi equivalent of as the detective that just makes a frowny face and thinks about it. And goes like, ah, oh, I've solved it. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But anyway, the, the, the story behind this one is some murders start happening. And when they look at the people's files, they don't see the person uh, killing them. The killer's hacking their vision or whatever. So they're actually seeing themselves get killed from the viewpoint of the killer. So they don't have much to go on and have to rely on actual real detective work rather than just pulling up everybody's files. <laughs> so it's a difficult case, and, and I'm not going to spoil it, but where it goes is, uh, it's well, it's kind of lame. There's not much, there's a lot of slow and a lot of, yeah, just what's the point of this scene even? Why is he even doing this? With not much reward at the end. And there also is a, a, a weird thing with this movie where they just 
seemed to have found every excuse they could to get the most everybody in the whole world apparently in this film is all beautiful perfect body model types <laughs> so it's a little weird it's a little jarring you know not everybody's uh, drop dead gorgeous in the world there were a few people real people in there you know shake it up a little bit and they just found like sort of like blade runner there was weird random uh unnecessary nudity sex scenes just thrown in there like let's just show this person naked for no reason at all in the story so anyway i i can't really recommend this one it's got as far as the story a decent story but i just don't think it works well for film so i would say yeah i mean watch it if you really want to <laughs> suffer through it but uh i don't i don't really don't recommend this one I was kind of disappointed. Like I said, it sounded promising from the synopsis, but in practice, it, uh, no, it didn't. It didn't work. So on to something else. On to horror. I finally watched Hereditary. Uh, it was a 2018 film. I think it was sometime around June-ish or whatever. They come out on video so fast now. Uh, starring Tony Collette. That's the actress in this one that I really like. I love Tony Collette. Uh, I think I've. First started seeing her. No, I think the first thing I saw her in was The Sixth Sense. Just going way back, The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis and the little kid, and you know I see dead people. That film. You may not remember this, but she was the mom. She was the mom in this one in uh in The Sixth Sense. Uh, of course, I saw her in United States of Terror, which is another good show, but it's not genre, so we're not going to talk about that here. But she plays Annie in this one. She's the the the, the mom of this little family. Uh, that's the subject of the story. So you got Tony Collette as Annie, the mom. You got Gabriel Byrne as Steve, the dad, who you know from a ton of films. Uh, <clears throat> End of Days and Ghost Ship. I would give a alert for him because I know the ladies used to love Gabriel Byrne back in the day. He's you know he's showing his age now. I mean he's still a good looking dude for <laughs> for an older dude. Jay is a little older. He's put on a little weight. <laughs> we all have, right? So, <laughs> but anyway, Gabriel Burns in there. If you, if you guys, if you ladies are still in the Gabriel Burn or you guys, whatever, in the Gabriel Burn, uh, he's in it. And they got a couple of uh, kind of relatively newcomers in here as the kids. Uh, Alex Wolf is the son, Peter, who is 16 in this film. And uh, Millie Shapiro is Charlie, the 13 year old daughter. I can tell you this actress, uh, only Alex Wolf was in that latest Jumanji movie, the Welcome to the Jungle one. I never saw that, and he hadn't been in too much else. Turns out, though, he's like this musician musician and composer, and he's well-known for that. But uh, I'm not familiar with that work. Millie Shapiro, I don't think, has been in anything before this, as far as I can tell. And uh, she's, she's an odd-looking kid. I don't want to be mean. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I mean, you can have a great career as an actor being uh, having an exotic look. You know, you always get picked to play the creepy little kid. <laughs> and who knows? She might, you know, grow up and be this great beauty or whatever. But she's definitely an odd-looking, exotic-looking sort of kid. And it was, I mean, obviously it was cast for this role because of that. Because the Charlie character is very odd. So anyway, the kind of the setup for the story, uh, it's, it's it's a horror story. It's not a super gore fest, although there are some really, um, there, there are some really brutal 
scenes in this film. <laughs> I'm not too much into the gory horror, to be honest. I'm more into the psychological, creepy stuff, sort of like this. Uh, sort of like uh, uh, one of my favorite ones was The Uninvited from a few years back. Sort of like films like that. And lately, horror has been kind of disappointing to me at the theater. And I kept hearing about this when I was in the theater, how great it was. I wanted to go see it, and I missed it. And uh, So I finally saw it in the theater, I mean, uh, on, on video this weekend. And uh, it, it it's good. It lives up to the hype uh, as far as being good and original. I mean, it's got a very different story than most of the horror that's coming out these days. I'll definitely give it that. So, the setup of the story is that the uh, Tony Collette's mom, the grandmother of the family there, dies. Right in the beginning, you know, you learn that she's died. And that uh, Tony Collette's speaking at the, the funeral. And you get from her speech there that they weren't really close. Her mom was kind of a, mm, she was nuts. She had serious uh, issues and, and was not well-liked by her own family. In fact, uh, you find out in the course of Tony Collette going through her character going to group therapy that she purposely kept her son away from her mom because her mom was nuts and she didn't want that affecting her son. But at some point, they had to move her in with the family to take care of her. She was sick. She had Alzheimer's. She had, in addition to all her other mental problems, needed someone to take care of her. And by that time, Charlie, the daughter, had come around and she let her mom have some access to Charlie. And this is important to later in the story. I'm not going to spoil it, but the fact that she gave her mom access to Charlie is definitely important to the development of the story. So anyway, this as the story progresses, it, it kind of leads you to believe, it tells you a lot of things about the mom you know, before she died, that she was crazy and not uh, terribly uh, affectionate towards her children or to anyone, really. Uh, not a nice person because of her many problems. She had a dissociative identity disorder in addition to some uh, some other problems. The, the dad had some kind of, you know, Tony Collette or Annie's father uh, died when she was younger because he had some kind of anxiety disorder and he'd starved, starved himself to death. And her brother had multiple personalities and he uh, killed himself and the suicide note blamed the mother for injecting personalities into him. That also is some of some importance to the story later on. So the setup of the film, like all these uh, strange things start happening after the mom's death. And they really have one sort of family tragedy after another following this. And, of course, these tragedies cause uh, Tony Collette's character to become more and more, uh, I guess, you know, uh, as any mother would, tragedy befalls the family more stressed out, uh, you know, changes her behavior, maybe depression, anger, all these things. And it, they kind of steer you in this direction with the story to make you think like all these things she's seeing, all these things she's experiencing. And of course, the title of the movie definitely implies it, that maybe she's inherited some of the nuttiness of her mother and maybe some of these things aren't real. It really kind of steers you along in that direction. Although I suspect that at some point, either they're going to either they're going to do that, they're going to go that direction and go, uh, none of this was real and she's just as nuts as her mom was. 
<laughs> and the daughter has a touch of it too. Um, or they're going to give you some kind of twist and, and, uh, waiting. I was kind of waiting to see what that twist would be if they went that direction. I think if they go, you know, my thought was if they had gone in that direction where she's just nuts and all this was in her head, then that's like a lot of other movies we've seen. And I don't think it would get as much, you know, acclaim as it got a few months ago at the theaters. Everybody was just kind of like, oh yeah, we've seen this before. Everybody was saying how original and, and crazy it was. And uh, I'll tell you this, it didn't disappoint. <laughs> it didn't disappoint. It's very uh, creepy at points. It's very brutal at points where just something happens on the screen. And again, no spoilers here, but something will happen. You'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. That's crazy. So it's this very nightmarish, hellish sort of descent type of film where it's taken you and it definitely takes you for a ride. The ending I would say is, uh, well, I'm not going to give it away, but it's, it's very strange. Not in the, not in the way that some films go where you go like, well, I can interpret it this way or interpret it that way. There's really only one way to interpret it, but it's, it's definitely out there. It, it may, may, may have to look up some things if you're not familiar with uh, certain uh, subjects certain obscure subjects you might have to kind of look up like what does it mean but it, it definitely has a, a definite defined ending it doesn't leave you uh guessing i wouldn't say that so all in all i like this film i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't say it's like this huge masterpiece or whatever but it's definitely different and original and i liked it uh we need some more good horror out there some of the horror that's been coming out lately has been just absolute trash uh, so it's good to see some original stories. And this one goes for a pretty obscure reach for a story. And, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, but anyway, I actually recommend it. Tony Collette's awesome. Gabriel Byrne's awesome. Uh, to me, the mark of good acting, the kids are also very good. But one of the marks of good acting is they don't, sort of like in writing, the, tell, uh, the show don't tell. So when you have an actor that can convey a lot of things to you without really saying a whole lot, to me, that's good acting. And uh, Gabriel Byrne definitely does that uh, very much in the beginning. Not a word is said to really tell you this, but you get the idea that he kind of navigates carefully around Annie, around Tony, Tony Collette's character, because he knows that she has a tendency to maybe go off the deep end sometimes. She's, uh, you know sensitive artist person. So he tends to kind of tiptoe around her, even though it's tiresome for him and also kind of shields her from things that he thinks might set her off. And again, you get that entire story, that entire impression without him saying like, wow, I must really tiptoe around my wife. He does not say that, but you, you just from the way he reacts to things, the way he uh, looks at certain things, you get all that without him saying saying it to you. Just like a writer, show don't tell. So uh, definite props to Gabriel Byrne there. I mean, he's an experienced actor and he shows his chops and so does Tony Collette. And the kid, the, the son, Peter, uh, Alex Wolf, the actor there, did a good job with this too. So I actually recommend this. Just fair warning, there's some brutal stuff in here. It's kind of a bleak, hard depressing film <laughs> but uh if you like that sort of thing go see it 
<laughs> rent it, buy it, whatever. I just bought it on Amazon. I think they're running a sale on it right now because it's a new release. So definite checkout movie for something different and really strange and out there. So that's my take on that. Uh, this next film for the fantasy section, I was really excited about, ready to go see it, called The House with a Clock in Its Walls. It's a 2018 film. It was based on a really old children's book. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the author now. I That's going to slip my mind. I do know that it was illustrated by Edward Gorey. And uh, I don't know if you're an Edward Gorey fan like I am. Edward Gorey did a lot of these sort of line drawings, these very creepy sort of line drawing books. And um, kind of very much in line, uh, like the Adams family uh, cartoons, <laughs> into these creepy, uh, yeah, definitely creepy little children's books. It sounds odd, but hey, some kids are into creepy, right? <laughs> I know my daughter is. My daughter loves creepy. Believe me, Halloween's coming up, and by the time Halloween rolls around, this house is going to be floor to ceiling. Uh, <laughs> Where the ceiling Halloween. I mean, she's into it. Out of all the people in my little family aboard the ship here, uh, she's probably going to be the one to watch horror movies with Daddy. My son, you know, that creeps him out. No way. So, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be my daughter. We're going to watch lots of horror films together when she gets a little older. So, anyway, I was kind of excited about this. I kept seeing the ads for it, the trailers and the theaters. And it looked pretty cool. It's got Jack Black in it as Jonathan Barnevelt. You know who Jack Black is. Been in a ton of stuff. Only thing genre I think I knew that he was in before was King Kong. Kind of the reboot of King Kong. <clears throat> and then you have the actress in this one that I'm going to talk about. And this one out of the three I'm going to talk about today is... Uh, it's Kate Blanchett. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to more of that in a second. She plays Florence Zimmerman, Jonathan Barnevelt's uh, next-door neighbor, the lady in purple, <laughs> real tall, thin lady with a severe sort of bun on top of her head and the, uh, the glasses that you see on the trailer and all that. Uh, I love Kate Blanchett. I'll just say that. I just love Kate Blanchett. She was in The Gift, uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit film. She was in all that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my obsession with Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Oh, my goodness. Not only is she just extraordinarily beautiful, okay, with those high cheekbones and fine features and those eyes and the hair, just, you know, but it's also the way she speaks, uh, the way she holds herself, the way she talks, the way she walks, the way she breathes, the way she sends me secret messages in the movies. <laughs> so like a total stalker, right? <laughs> but she does. She sends me secret messages. <laughs> I love I love Kate Blanchett, and she loves me. She tells me. Yeah. <laughs> All those scenes in Lord of the Rings, when she's talking in Elvish, and you don't know what she's saying without the subtitles, they're not really translating it correctly. Now, those are secret Elven messages to me. 
I'm kidding. I don't, I don't think Kate Blanchett will ever listen to this. I hope, I don't hope she does, but, uh, but, uh, no, really, I'm, I'm not that psycho about her, but I do love Kate Blanchett. So I'm, I was excited to see her in this. I don't think I've seen her in anything in a while. Uh, you also have Owen Vaccaro. That's a little kid you see in the trailer. It's uh, Louis Barnevelt. It's Jonathan's nephew. And Kyle McLaughlin comes as the uh, the villain. <laughs> His name is Isaac Izzard. He plays a villain in this one. And, of course, you know Kyle McLaughlin. But the best thing genre I can think of with him would be Dune. I mean, he was he was uh, Mwadib in Dune. So there you go. But it was funny. In the beginning of the movie, before the movie started, they had one of those things they'd sometimes do where they had all the actors together. And they're not really... Uh, I mean, they're there to talk about the movie, but it's just like, you know, them in front of the set where a lot of the movie was shot, you know, dressed as themselves and not playing their characters. But there's been this uh, kind of thing they want to push lately where actors come and they speak a little while about go and see a movie the way it's meant to be seen at the theater, you know, on the big screen with the surround sound and all that stuff. Come out and see a movie, you know, that kind of thing. And they all taking their turns talking about, you know, come and see the movie the way it's meant to be seen. And to get to Kyle McLaughlin, and while I knew he was in the film, I did not recognize him. I was like, who's this other guy talking right there? Is that the director? Is that the... I had no idea until the movie started. And I was like, oh, that was Kyle. Because he looks so different when he's not in character. He just looks like a nice little, you know, nice little librarian guy. He looks super nice and super awesome. Like, he just he's just Kyle McLaughlin. Let me tell you about my obsession with Kyle McLaughlin. No. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> anyway, you if you've seen the trailers for this, you kind of know the setup. It's uh, the young boy, uh, Jonathan, Jack Black's character's uh, nephew. His parents die in some sort of car accident, and he has to go live with his uncle, the next of kin there, the only surviving relative, I guess. And his uncle's kind of this uh, misfit of the family that nobody's really seen or heard from in a long time. They know where you know, he lives off somewhere. He's just kind of eccentric and weird and uh, very bohemian. And, you know, father didn't approve. And he just moved off and did his own thing. And uh, so now this kid who doesn't know much about his uncle except that, you know, it's the strange brother that his mom used to talk about. He goes to live with him. And there's a lot of cute scenes in there. One in the trailer, you know, it's like me asking him about his, are you wearing a robe? And he goes, it's a kimono. And he makes that differentiation a couple of times, a kimono. And the movies take place in, the, uh, you know, the early 1950s is where it's said. And back then, you know, kimono was something exotic and very bohemian. So that was part, <laughs> that, was part of that character. And anyway, he, he moves in with his uncle and Kate Blanchett. Florence uh, Zimmerman lives next door. And, uh, you know, the first thing he the, the kid notices is that there's not many rules in this house. Uncle Jonathan's very much a free spirit, kind of do what you want sort of guy. Like, you want to have chocolate cookies for dinner? You can have chocolate chip cookies for dinner. It's fine. You know, he only has one rule. He has this locked cabinet in his study. Like, you can't open that. You can't go in there. That's private. Never open this cabinet. Um. And so that's his only rule. Otherwise, you got you know, pretty much freedom. And uh, the 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 interaction 
uh, he gets to witness as soon as he comes in there, the interaction that you saw in the trailer. Also, if you watched it between Jack Black and Kate Blanchett, uh, kind of a kind of snipish little conversations. They kind of take little verbal jabs at each other all the time. Uh, but you also get the impression again, this is a sign of good acting. They do this without telling you. In fact, if you just listen to the words they were saying, you'd think they really disliked each other. But you very much get the impression that they are the very best of friends, and they just enjoy these little verbal jousts that they, you know, jab back and forth at each other. In fact, the little boy starts to think maybe there's more to their relationship than they're admitting, that they're, uh, you know, intimate. But uh, Kate Blanchett explains that they're not, that it's platonic. (laughs) The boy knows a lot of big words. She's explaining that it's not a kissy-kissy type relationship, and the boy goes, oh, you mean platonic. She's like, oh, that's right. You're very smart. So anyway, strange things start happening in the house. Uh, Things at night. He sees Uncle Jonathan going around the house at night, listening for sounds in the walls. Uh, There's this stained glass window that, you know, when he gets up in the morning, it's different than it was before. The night before it was a ship, and now it's something else. And uh, just these odd things start happening. And one of the kids at school tells um, tells the the young boy there, Lewis, that the house he's living in is like a murder house. Like everybody thinks it's this murder house. And these rumors about when he tells the boy where he lives, like, you live in the murder house? And tells him that his uncle Jonathan's probably an axe murderer that killed the previous owners. And he sees some stuff that night that scares him, of course, because he's been told this wild story. And eventually his uh, Jonathan and Florence have to tell him what's really going on, that they're actually sorcerers. Or as uh, Jack Black puts it, he's a warlock and Florence is a witch, you know, and they can do magic. And the little boy, of course, wants to learn magic also. And it doesn't take much persuasion or arm twisting. Uh, Jonathan, Jack Black's character, agrees to start teaching him magic. And it's very difficult and time-consuming and everything. But uh, the setup of the story is that, you know, he's teaching him this. and But in the meantime, there's also, um, there's also something else uh, darker going on in the house. That search he's doing at night, he's searching for this ticking in the walls, this clock. And over the course of the story, you find out more that this was created by Jonathan's former friend, the Isaac Izzard character played by Kyle McLaughlin, and that it's some sort of doomsday clock that's going to bring about the apocalypse. Well, not really the apocalypse. You'll learn more. I don't want to spoil what the clock does, but you learn as you go along what the clock does, and, and essentially it's going to it's going to end life as we know it, not necessarily an apocalypse. I guess you could call it that, but it does it in a very interesting way. So anyway, the young boy learning magic inadvertently uh, uh, or, or through just youthful mistake, wanting to impress his friends, um, sets loose the, the, the villain to come back and implement his plan to end the world and have him be in charge of it all. <laughs> anyway, all this to say, it's a pretty uh, convoluted story as to how he got here, um, but the trailers are not misleading. I'll tell you that about this. If you're watching the trailers, you're like, what if that's the only good scenes in the movie? Uh, I can tell you that it's uh, definitely not. I've probably given you 
too much setup of the story, but what you see in the trailers, there's even more of that in the film, like the snipish interaction between Kate and Jack. There's even more of that. It's funny. You know, it's kind of a little comic relief in the story. I'd say there are some scary parts, but if your kids are into, you know, somewhat scary things, it's nothing that they can't handle. To me, this would look like, uh, from the trailer, why I was excited about it, it looked like a really fun sort of kids' adventure movie with a lot of fantasy and some horror elements. Uh, in fact, I kind of had a little debate with myself about how I was going to classify this film on the show, but I decided it was mostly fantasy with a little touch of horror elements. And what the trailer promised, this fun, uh, magic-filled adventure, it definitely delivered on. Like I said, everything you see in the trailer, you see that and more. It really uh, delivers. Uh, I don't. I saw the critics kind of pan this show, and I'm not really sure why. Uh, like a lot of other reviews that mystify me, I thought it was really fun. I think it did exactly what it promised it would do, and, and it just delivered. It was a good show. I'd say it's definitely worth going to see the theater, and if your kids can handle a little bit of scary, take them to see it too. Uh, story was well written. It was a kid's story, but it's, it wasn't cheesy. It had some depth to it. Uh, definitely had some good messages, I guess, for uh, for children. <laughs> you know, about it being okay to make mistakes, that you got to get up and dust yourself off and be brave and try again. Uh, definitely some good messages in the story. And the ending is uh, really uh, fun and, and rewarding and, and, and cute. I liked it. And stay, I mean, the credits, they tell you, uh, some of the reviews I've seen tell you there's something to watch in the credits. There's not much to it. There's a little flash right at the end where when you think the credits are about to roll and there's a couple of things that happen really fast that are kind of funny uh, between the topiary and the chair. <laughs> Just so you know what I'm talking about when it pops up on the screen. But there's not much past that in the credits. But if you're a fan of Edward Gorey, I'd say keep watching, even though it's just a bunch of text, but in the, on the edges and on the bottom and stuff, there's, uh, they take the Edward Gorey illustrations from the book and animate them. And it's pretty cool to see the Edward Gorey pictures being animated. And at the end, you see all the characters from the book kind of lined up and they give a bow, you know, for their performance in the movie. And it's just a really cool, if you're an Edward Gorey fan, really cool little graphic to see. So anyway, that's my recommendation for that one. Definitely go see it. it. It delivers. I don't care what you've read in the reviews. If the trailer looked fun to you, then the movie will be fun to you. Go see it. <laughs> so anyway, I guess that's about all I have for y'all this week. Uh, I'm not sure what's coming out next week, but I'll, I'll definitely have some content for y'all next week. Like so I'm going to keep this thing rolling every Sunday. And once I have that going regular. I might start doing some uh, sort of little in-betweeny episodes, maybe on Wednesday night or something like that. But I'll definitely net, let y'all know about that. Uh, go check out the website, orbitalzombiedragon.com. You can listen to the episodes there. You can you know, check out uh, more information about me and the show. Check out the Facebook page. It's Orbital Zombie Dragon there, too, on Facebook. I'll try to put some more updates, live videos coming up. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really help with the promotion of the show. But for now, I guess that's it. It's time for us to roll out on another galactic adventure until next week. Pagana, take us out. 